You're listening to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the world's leading therapists with Dr. Susan Spicer and myself, Damian Mark Smith, as we delve into the world of all kinds of effective therapies with fascinating and challenging cases, plus marketing tips and what's really working in mental health right now. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Therapist to Millions podcast where we get into the brains and under the skin of the world's greatest and leading therapists and coaches literally from around the world. We've got people joining us from all over the globe but today we have a very special episode. We have a very special episode indeed as we're focusing on self-care resilience and really kind of looking after taking care of the therapists that are out there on the front line as we welcome Barbara Gustafsson, who is the founder of Discover Next Step, but she also partners with Dr. Daniel Amen at Amen Clinics and is the program director of the Brain Health Licensed Trainer course there. And she also helps individuals and organizations integrate brain health coaching and brain-based strategies into their work and life. Now, having spent 11 years in consulting, coaching and leadership, and 25 years in business management, Barbara knows what she's talking about. Now, her mission is to share new ways to think, see, respond, and engage so that leaders can set their new inner bold in motion. And the reason why we bring up inner bold is because she's also the author of Permission to be Bold, A Guide to Loving Yourself, Living Fully, and Leaving Your Mark in the World. I love that title. As well as hosting the Inner Bold podcast and online events such as her latest Inner Rebellion series. So thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Damien. Thank you so much for that. It's great to be here. Well, it's brilliant to have you. So we, we just give us a little bit of your backstory. I mean, obviously you've got uh, you've got one hell of a backstory. So tell us how you arrived where you are now. Yeah. So if you were to ask me when I was a teenager, a little girl that I would be doing what I am now, I'd probably think you were totally nuts because I was probably one of those kids you would describe anything but bold. I was extremely shy, reserved. I remember hiding behind my mom in the grocery store and just peeking out from behind her elbow. Oh. And it was one of those things I desired to step out, but I just had this just this triggering fear response whenever I was out in public or speaking. I remember even in elementary, middle school and high school, I don't know if you've seen that movie Runaway Bride. I was yeah. the runaway speaker. Like I would get up in front of people and literally run off the stage and go hide. It was nuts. And I remember probably in my thirties um, when my boys were younger, I was thinking, you know what? There's things I want to do to have more meaning in life. And about the time my mom passed away in my mid forties, it was probably the first time that I just had one of those just face-to-face -face talks with myself saying, is this what, what you want to do in your life? And at the time I had a great job. I was a government contractor, had a crazy commute. That part wasn't so great. I was working on a missile program as a financial analyst. And if you know anything about me, one of my core values is peace, harmony, and missile program. <laughs> At the time, it really, I feel like it was one of those steps in my journey that led me to where I am now. But this idea of trying to be more bold just kind of taunted me because I, as a classic introvert, I just love doing my thing. But I found that there were some things, some hidden things about myself inside that I wanted to get out. Like I honestly didn't know what my strengths were. 
Uh, I had a few things, but I just went on an exploration process to find out what that was. And I ended up taking a year off uh, from that government contracting job to homeschool my youngest son. And honestly, it was the first time in years that I had really started to reflect on the direction of my life. And honestly, I didn't have the clarity of where I wanted to go, but I knew I didn't want to go back. So I quit my job and I did some soul searching and I just started to just take one step at a time. And one of the first steps was to really look at why my fear was so triggering. And what I found was through having a brain scan done um, through spec imaging, there was some PTSD that showed up also several mild TBIs. And I remembered back when I was um, 19, I was in a horseback riding accident, broke my back, hit my head, but because I was never knocked unconscious, they never did a scan. But I remember going back to school, ringing in my ears. I had to drop out of college. I couldn't focus. I had learning issues before then, but what they did find was some things may have happened during childbirth, but it really started me thinking, you know, what if it isn't just your attitude or just your mind, but what if the brain that safeguards the mind is, if that is right, then other things will start clicking into place. So I really started to get to know myself and my fears. And ironically, my fears have become my greatest teacher. I speak now. I absolutely love sharing. It's not that I love standing up in front of people, but I'm so passionate about what I talk about. And it's really shown me that there's a lot of people who are falling through the cracks. They have something that is on their heart and they desire to impart that, that, but they may believe that they don't have the right personality or they're confident enough, all these enoughness that come up. And, and really what I want to impart is we need to give ourselves permission to take that bold step, whatever that looks like may not be like an outward achievement. That's good, but sometimes that can be fleeting, but what's the inner bold transformation, uh, transformation. And I call it inner bold. Some people may call it courage, uh, bravery. I, I tie it to those hidden things that are waiting to get out. I love that. I love that. That is, that is such a powerful story. And it, it is interesting, isn't it? How we might have, um, issues with our brain structural or functional that we don't know about until we scan. I'm going through that process right now. Just had my first scan, looking forward to my second one, you know, as part of that, that whole process of brain health coaching with Dr. Eamon. And it's interesting that you had PTSD and mild TBI that you didn't know about. Yes. And, and you know what, Dr. Spicer, it was for me, probably one of the, the biggest takeaways was in my industry, I don't know if you notice this and, and personal development leadership, there's a tendency to have judgment if you're not being positive all the time. Right. Um, there, there is this saying, jump and build your wings on the way down. For me, when I jumped and took a fear step, it was so triggering that yeah. I withdrew even more. So for some people that works and gets them going, whatever cliche fires them up for me, it was, it had the reverse effect. And so I started having compassion for myself. I gave my permission, self-permission to take little itty bitty steps, which for me was it build my confidence more than if I were to take a bigger step. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And neuropsychologically, we are all different, hardwired in different ways when it comes to anxiety and fear, and it takes place on a spectrum. And you can be very fearful on one side or on the other end of the spectrum. We have those people like Alex Hilnoid that will climb El Capitan without ropes, right? And he used to say, I'm never afraid, but if I am afraid, something's gone dramatically wrong, right? So Mm. that's a neuropsychological makeup. We're built that way. And everyone falls somewhere in between. So it's interesting, like you said, some people that have fear or have anxiety don't realize neuropsychologically you're hardwired to maybe more on this side that you're nervous. And even knowing that can be therapeutic. It really can. And I feel like if I knew that way back when I would have taken a a lot of pressure off myself, I really would have. And also I would have been able to guide my clients into understanding what's happening, you know, at, at a brain level. So that just knowing that is, is very powerful. Right. So how did you then come to then partner up with, with Dr. Amen? And can you give us some of the kind of the background of, of the things that you do now that you know, to take care of your own brain health? Yeah, it's a really cool story. So back in 2015 was when I first picked up the copy, change your brain, change your life. And honestly, it was at a time where I was just very frustrated with my brain. I was going through some big health challenges. I couldn't work to the capacity I wanted. And I was, I felt like I was rock bottom. You know, I was kind of dramatic about it, but I'm like, you know what, what gives something is going on. I need to find out what it was. And when I read that book, it really explained some of the things that were happening. And for the first time I felt like I mean, I knew I wasn't alone, but sometimes you really feel like you are alone. I realized, wow, this happens and it's more common than we think. Some of these trauma triggering things, but also intense brain fog, which I didn't really understand what it meant to think clearly since I had that horseback riding accident. I just kind of lived in a fog. I did okay, but I felt like I could be doing so much better at the time I was working at an organization, um, volunteer basis, and it was a large leadership organization. And I helped lead one of their transformational leadership award, where we would nominate transformational leaders, uh, all over the U S and Canada. I was part of me and four others led that, and we could nominate people. We couldn't actually be part of the valuation process, but I had been following Dr. Amen for a couple of years and I started nominating him um, and I nominated him three years in a row. There was no response. And then I saw that he had a um, coaching certification, like people can go through a more clinical um, program. And even though I am non-clinical, they opened it up to coaches. So I jumped in. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go through this. I'm going to immerse myself in it. I'm just going to go up the chain and see if I can get his attention. So I nominated him one more time. This time he responded and out of thousands um, of evaluations, he won that award. So they flew him down to this large event where um, they meet with thousands of trainers twice a year, but he and his wife, Tana came and joined us. I got to spend the day with him. And during that time, we talked about, what if we were to bring brain health to a community of leaders and organizations? You know, what if this is the missing piece? You know, they're doing great things, but during the time of serving, two of my mentors came down with life-threatening brain health illnesses, one with a 
um, tumor in his prefrontal cortex, another with a brain infection, it impacted that organization on many levels. And so what if we could help this global group of people with their brains and what kind of messengers would they be from them? You know, they would spread like wildfire. So in we, we just really put our heads together. And what ended up happening was an organization took his brain health license trainer program and launched it as a pilot program. Uh, and along with another program, and we just watched, you know, what the results are for the 650 people that went through it. And it was mind blowing just to see their excitement, how easily these people, mostly non-clinical could educate their families, their communities, their own clients on how to take better care of their brain. And it's think of it as a back door way of helping people with their mental health, like giving them a tool. They may not know that they need help or they may not be willing or open to get help because mental health is still such a stigma. But what if we can do something for them to help empower them to take control of their own neurology, what would that look like? And, and so that grew. And then, um, Amen university now has the program and we have trainers and the clinical and non-clinical professionals over 23 different countries now, and it's growing. So it's been really amazing to see how it's evolved. And also encouraging to say, you don't have to be a brain surgeon, or you don't have to have a medical degree to help someone with their brain health. You do need some foundational training, but you can give them the tools and point them to the resources that they need. Absolutely. That's fascinating. And that really opens it up for so many people that have an interest, but don't have the clinical background, like you said. So it's really making it so much more accessible. Yes. And, and not. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I've been through the training as well and it's fabulous. It's very detailed, very in-depth and uh, yeah, it, I love it. it yeah. now, usually at this point we, we say to our guests, uh, you know, using hypotheticals and no identifying factors, but I know that a lot of the cases have actually been well-documented in Dr. Raymond's book. So can you pick out or cherry pick a couple of uh, of of ones that you can recall that have been you know amazing turnarounds and 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 what's actually happened uh with our trainers yeah. in, in the program the first one comes to mind and um it, it's just and, and this is actually a, a, it is a person but it actually is not we do have several people we do like our trainers have a passion for this like they have either been impacted by brain health issues themselves or have a loved one, a friend, like it's so common, um, to know someone, multiple people have multiple people in your lives have been impacted. So our, our trainers, like they're not there to just learn stuff. They they're there to put into action what they learn. A lot of them are turning their own personal pain into something more purposeful and, one particular trainer has had a significant um, brain injury in her life um, several years back. And again, this has happened to several. And so she's gone through her own brain rehabilitation to the point where she's now able to learn and teach this. And she is her target audience is those who have had traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. and she's helping her community grow. So it's giving them a new kind of hope 
uh, that they can, you know, even if someone has had a major brain injury or they can't remember who, even who they were, um, which sometimes happens, you can create something new in your life. You can find your purpose. You can, you can turn a lot of those painful moments into something useful for yourself and others. So it, it really is about how to coach someone through that. Um, but also to help give them initially first the resources to get their brain work more optimally. And, mm-hmm. and another case, um, and I'm, I'm just going to brag on her a little bit because she, she has an RN background. She has so many clinical background knowledge, um, but she's really focused on coaching people to have better brain health and And the reason why she's coaching versus just using her clinical degrees is she's found that when people are, are really tied to their motivation to get better or to move along, they're more empowered. Like you can go into a doctor's office and and I'm not like diminishing any of that, but there's something empowering when you are giving resources that you can take full responsibility of, we all have free will. Um, we all have that self agency, but when you can show the person that they're not helpless, yes, you have this going on, but there's many things that you can do. And let's start here. Let me help guide you through this process. That's something that gives this trainer more joy than she's done. Um, so that those are just two of the, the simple examples. And um, I'll give you a third, just because I'm, they're popping up in my mind. Um, we have a rock star trainer that lives in the Philippines and he was just recently voted the number one coach, um, in that country. And he's one of her top trainers. So we, we have so many using it in different ways. They're reaching a lot of youth, um, a lot of veterans, so many people are getting things that they haven't received before. And it's not to take away what's done, being done now, but it's adding brain health to the equation. Let's not forget about the organ that runs the mind and, you know, controls your fear and responses. I love that. So what do you, what do you do personally to take care of your own mental well-being? Okay, good, good question. Um, Because we know that if we're not using our tools, you know, what's the point? Like I can, I can teach this and I'd love to, but if I'm not walking it, I'm really missing the mark. Um, um, what, one of my biggest tools I would say is having a support system just because I, I do have to be held accountable. Um, like you guys so busy and things have really sped up because of the need for support with mental and brain health once a month, I take a a little solo retreat. Like I get away. Um, it's usually at the most inconvenient time, but it's a non-negotiable for me to have time to renew my spirit, um, and my business. And it's, I've been doing it for eight years. Um, it started long time ago when my youngest son was going through some emotional trauma, I needed to get away, take care of me. And it's just evolved into a space that I look forward to. So having a support system to remind me to do that, I block off my calendar at the beginning of the year. So accountability is huge and, um, support system for me can be friends, um, to have that social Mm -hmm. piece of it, but also the right health professionals in different areas. And so really 
defining what does my social support look like? And even if it's starting with one person, um, and especially if you're um, in a caregiving position, like I have been and still am with a parent or child, it's so important that you take care of you. And I almost get away from the term of self-care because I know my brain kind of starts to not prioritize that. I have to call it something else. Like I call it my healthcare. Um, and I think Damien, you helped me realize that too, but I have to almost trick my brain into thinking this is non-negotiable. Like this is my right. life on the line. If I don't take care of myself because the mm -hmm. rate of caregiver burnout and even early death, death is rising. It's, it's been high, but it's rising even more. Another thing that I do is, um, with my business, I love to partner with people. I recently helped co-launch. Um, we have a founder of an equine program and I helped co-launch it with her and two other people. We utilize horses um, with a resilience program for first responders, veterans, and medical professionals in our community who have been impacted by PTSD. So I love developing partnerships in the community because I know I I can't run my business alone. Um, I have tried it that way. <laughs> I've ended up run out. I just really seek people who are aligned with my core values, who are strong visionaries, who want to make a deep level of impact in my community. As far as something, simple things, basics, basic care for my brain, lots of water and quality water, even mm -hmm. how I drink the water if I forget to drink and I try to gulp it all, it kind of, it, it doesn't really do its thing, but I, I keep water just to sip on in between meetings and grounding techniques. I center myself throughout the day. I have a, a solid morning routine. It's not as long as it used to be, but it's at least 20 minutes of grounding and just detaching from anything that's keeping me from being present. So a lot of that's prayer, meditation, gratitude. That's just, that's a huge one. Gratitude. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that too. That's so powerful. And it's so easy to overlook that, that, that daily routine, that little bit of, of, of work every day to keep yourself grounded and to keep yourself balanced. It is. And I need reminders. Like I have to have visual reminders. It's like out of sight, out of mind. I literally don't think about it because I'm so focused on my to-do list. So I have to have reminders, um, my mirror, my, um, computer screen. I used to have it on my, um, wheel, my, yeah, steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> when I couldn't remember as well, I would just have reminders everywhere. I love that. Well, working with horses is a great way to keep you grounded as well. Just being on, yes. in the saddle or being in the arena can be so therapeutic. How long have you been riding? Yes. So I rode, um, in my teen years until I had the horseback riding accident and didn't ride for years. And I did get back on the saddle a few years ago. I no longer ride, but April of 2020, um, I, well, actually a couple years before that I adopted my first horse, Brock, my tall, mm -hmm. dark and handsome. He can't be ridden, but he is the most amazing horse. He's had a, a lot of trauma in his life. So I, I say we kind of found each other, 
April, 2020, I started to go like almost every day to the farm. He was my therapy horse and just to be near him, to be present when I was brushing him, um, picking his feet and just talking to him and whispering in his ear, we dealt, you know, developed a really strong bond that alone I felt was more uh, productive than going to a therapist or, or trying mm -hmm. to work really hard at something. It, it was like the moment I stepped on the farm, things just melted away. And I was right. able to take that peace and calm into the next situation. Right. So yeah. let's, um, let's talk about books for a minute, because obviously you've written a book and, um, and I know that, that is, there's a story behind that. And obviously Dr. Amen's written a lot of books. Yes. Um, what are you doing uh, to, as well as, you know, you've got a podcast as well. So what are you doing in terms of uh, books and podcasts and marketing to to kind of get yourself and, and Amen Clinics out there? Yes. One of the things that I had to experiment when I first started tying this brain health is how do I tie it into my current business model? And mm -hmm. when I wrote my book, I, I tried to be intentional to create my business model from that. Cause I, from that, my content, I wanted to be able to use it to speak at retreats, workshops, other writings, that sort of thing. So I, what I have done, Damien, is I've gone back to that book. I published it right before COVID. It, it released at the very end of 2018. And I, I had no clue when I wrote a chapter about masks you know, <laughs> the relevance it would have just a few months later, I've gone back to that book and I, I'm revising it just because I feel like at the time there was, I questioned, why am I getting this book out now? Like this is on my heart. And, and my book actually was from journals from the, the previous four years. And I just put it in a more organized way, but I've gone back because some of the things I wrote have actually helped me um, without realizing it. And I'm restructuring it in a way that ties more into brain health. I did touch some of that uh, in, in the book, but when it comes to my own content, I'm realizing every day I'm, I'm living a new experience, but I really try to align what I'm living to some of the key elements that I've developed for my my business. And, and Damien, you've really been a key thinking partner in helping me really clarify what that is. And, and the five processes that I, I take people through is the first one is your purpose. You know, that's a, that's a specific alignment piece. Like if we are out of alignment, like even if our neck is out of alignment, you know, we go to a chiropractor and we don't realize the impact it has on other places, you know, in our life, our sleep, our mood. And, and the same thing with our inner alignment, if we're not aligned, if we don't have that clarity, if we are not aligned with our values, uh, our purpose, our mission, even our physical grounding, other things in our life are going to be out of alignment. We may not know it yet, but that for me is the first piece. And then we move to our thinking, you know, what is our thinking, our mindset about this? What do we need to align and, you know, create new thought patterns also our focus and our thinking, you know, is, is that struggling? You know, are there maybe some underlying things going on? And then the third element that I feel like has been helpful for me is, you know, your resilience. And um, Damien and I talked about, this is kind of our, you know, your inner Yoda, you know, what is our <laughs> wisdom trying to tell us, but also where could areas be impacted? Like for me, 
my whole nervous system was hijacked, you know, for a long period of time. And I've noticed that with some of our first responders for the program, their, their nervous system is hijacked and it affects their resilience, but how can we move into a place of growth? And Dr. Spicer, I'm sure you're familiar with the post-traumatic growth that I feel like is oh, a conversation mm -hmm. that needs to grow, not just the PTSD, but what about the post-traumatic growth that happens Absolutely. while we're, we're going through that. And then your bridges, those are connections. Those are vital and, and the right connections, you know, who we collaborate, who we spend time with, who we're influenced by. And then the last piece of it that I feel like is it's where at a, at a human and soul level that we all desires to make a difference. It's your impact. This is where, you know, your leadership is in place, but what is your vision? Like, how do you desire to take what you've gained through your life and call them, you know, the wins, you know, the learns, the ahas, and sometimes the uh ohs, you know, how can you take those and pass that on and, and help people in some areas they might be struggling with? The uh ohs really are important. The mess before success is huge. Isn't Ooh, it? I love that. Yes. yes. The mess before success. That's the exactly success. Yeah. Do you have yes. any particular, any, any, any of those messes before successes that you want to share with us? Any, any Ooh. big failure that really like, like impacted the direction of your work? I know the brain injury on the horse would be one of them, but was there yeah. anything else that really kind of drove you to say, especially my, I'm asking this, especially because I love the fact that you're focused on purpose and the need to be in alignment. And a lot of times when we have had a mess, it takes us out of alignment. And the fact that you were so grounded and you find that, that, um, your center and your balance every day, and you have a clear sense of purpose, um, leads me to ask that question. Just curious. Yeah. And, and so the first, I'll tell you the first thing that comes in mind, cause I've had a lot of messes and missteps, but the very first one, um, was I, I used to have a lot of self-hatred. Like I really did. Like I look fine on my face. Um, I'm recovering type a now, mm -hmm. but I really had a lot of internal, self-hatred. You're too mm. nice. You're not enough. You're not confident enough. Mm. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You know, you're nobody. I mean, just all these ants, automatic negative thoughts that would run through my mind every day. And I would believe every thought I had, and I would just lock onto it, ruminate. And it was so self-destructive caused so much depression. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so that was definitely a mess, internal mess. I would say mm -hmm. <laughs> people would never even had said, you know, I would never imagine you were thinking that. And at 18, I tried to take my life. A lot of people didn't know about it. Thankfully I did not succeed, but it was one of those things. I realized it was part of my story, not something I've, I've talked about a lot lately, but I say that because often we don't know what people are going through. They may have achieved some level of success, maybe part of a wonderful family, but you don't know what's going on inside. And, and so mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that time because it's led me to where I am now. And it also helps me have compassion for others and having a parent uh, and a sibling early this year that passed away from Huntington's disease, mm -hmm. um, my father's in later stages when you see the impact that a brain disorder, whether genetic or later an illness has on someone's thinking yeah. um, about themselves and it affects their ability to have a 
whole relationship or, you know, a job or, you know, just a function every day, it, it causes you to look at life differently. So I would call that, you know, kind of, um, mess of my family, but sure. it's also, I, I really determined when 2017, I had a relative reach out and, and they sent me a paper. It was one of those, um, papers where they, they gossip and it was from Philadelphia times and my family's history was plastered on the front and the title wow. was ancestry.bomb and it uncovered wow. a murder perform um, that my grandfather did. It was a whole cover up and there's a long history of mental health illness. I was angry. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe they turned this into a tabloid story when they had every opportunity to destigmatize. Absolutely. I think that was the moment where I had this amp, this flame that came inside and said, uh-uh, no longer my family will I live with the shame. And honestly, I had a lot of shame around that. And yeah, by speaking the truth into that and by sharing my voice, I feel like I released the shame and change my family legacy. So I feel like even the messes of my father's father, you know, of our ancestors, we, we can change the trajectory of our family by turning it into something better. Absolutely. That's, that's a perfect example of generational trauma, mm -hmm. right? And how it takes yes. just one person to recognize and to, to change the, the course of that by, by being compassionate and understanding and healing. It took one person to do that. So this is the very definition of post-traumatic growth, right? Getting to that point where you would say, maybe I wouldn't change what happened to me because it made me who I am. And I'm using yeah. all these experiences now in such a purposeful way to help other people. That is the very definition of post-traumatic growth. Mm. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I, I saw this beautiful quote, your history is not your destiny. Yeah. That gave mm. me so much hope. Right. I love that. I love now, it too. There's a couple of uh, gifts that people listening to this uh, are going to get as a result of uh, staying with us. Now, one of them, we've actually been talking about a few of the points that are in it. Um, Susie and I have uh, created this 10, 10 tips guide for yeah. therapists and coaches for for, for self-care. But uh, but Barbara, you actually have a course that um, you've got ready for for people to, to to download and they can go through this. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that I noticed when I was taking my little monthly getaways, I would share this about my friends and they're like, well, how can I do that? You know, you, this is where a lot of my business ideas have been born just by creating space. And, and usually people, they just want to take a course, do something. This is more about pausing, like being very intentional in creating a space to clear, but also invite those ideas that are waiting to be birthed. So I ended up creating a process that I go through, um, creating worksheets is it's a mini course and it's really about re envisioning your life. So we have, you know, we have this vision and there's times in our life where that vision changes, whether we've gone through a crisis, um, or we've created our own opportunity, our vision does change. And we need to allow for that. Um, and we can allow for it, but it's also about who am I this person now that I've gone through this crisis or I'm in this crisis, we need to do a breaking away of who we were. If not, we're going to have this inner resistance. Like we're going to have, we're going to hang on to who we are, even though we want who we're becoming, 
but we're going to be in this state of limbo until we let go of who we were. And, and the idea is to really honor who we were because that's who, what led us to us now. We're still taking part of that person with us, but we're saying, you know what? I'm no longer going to let that part of me hold me back from what I meant to do. And so that's what this course is about. Very self-paced. It's something that I've taken people through one-on-one, but not now that I'm not able to take on as many clients, I wanted people to be able to do that. And the idea is get out of your own four walls, like go to a place that really inspires you. Cause I feel like that's where our brain really starts to unlock those creative processes. I love that. Thank you so much. Now we're going to include the links in the show notes as well as a link to your um, your five elements to get your boldness in motion flywheel. And, and I love the fact that it is a flywheel because it does, just as you said, it kind of comes back on itself. You know, when you start with your purpose, you go through your thinking and, and the brain health, the resilience, the bridges, which is, as you say, is a vital part of the process. And then you come to the impact that you then have, but then you can then have a refined vision and then you come back through the, the cycle again. So we're going to include the link to that too. And it's it's really clear, I think, when people look at that, of, uh, of how that works. Just on, uh, let's go back to the subject of books for a moment, because uh, we, we we like to get our guests to recommend a therapy and a non-therapy book, to, which we can add to our library. We've got a nice little library building of therapy books, many of which I haven't actually heard of, actually, so which is great. So give us your best therapy and non-therapy book. Oh, goodness. There's so many because um, my mind just goes, oh, there's so many. Okay. Going to have to pick one of each. This is going to be hard. Okay. I'm going to say one because it's not a doc. Like I recommend Dr. Amen books of the yinging. There's this wonderful book called Psycho-Cybernetics, Malcolm Maltz. And it talks about, I, I read this years ago with a, a group of leaders, but it talks about how our brain is engineered for success, but it's everything personal development. So um, it, it's not a therapy book, but it's um, one that I think you can read at any stage of your life. And um, a therapy book would probably be The Body Keeps the Score. Just mm-hmm. a whole understanding of how your mind impacts you're you're even down to the cells of your body. That that's such a powerful one that yeah. helped me. By Bessel van der Kook. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's one of your favorites, Susie, isn't it? <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. I've given that to so many patients. Yeah. That and getting past your past, which is the yes. initial EMDR therapy self help book from Francine. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to look that up. Mm-hmm. She's written many clinical books, but this is. Uh, designed for the customer for the client it's called getting past your past mm-hmm. wow we've actually we're, we're collating a little library at the minute and it's going to be available probably by the time this podcast actually comes out and and we are noticing that there are a, a few of them and we, we're up to about we've actually got 20 episodes recorded now i think 13 released at the moment but a lot of them are talking about this you know what we hold on to right Going forward, you've mentioned it there. It's been mentioned a few times, and and you know how to kind of release that and and kind of let that go. So that's really powerful. And how um, your body holds trauma and stores trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little note on my um, whiteboard that a mentor shared with me. Listen to the whisper. Don't wait for the two by four. I have to <laughs> daily remind myself that's of that. Brilliant. I share <laughs> it with anybody just because we need to have that wake up call for us before something happens. 
Mm -hmm. Don't wait until, I mean, some things will happen, but we can avoid or, you know, mitigate some of this things that we, you know, listen to what's going on. Those nudges, those taps on your shoulder, you know, that, that whisper, you know, you need to take better care of yourself is for a reason. Absolutely. And would you like to share with us your top tip for mental health in the world today? You've given us lots of great nuggets. What would be your top tip for mental health? Oh, there's so many, but I'm going to share journaling is a powerful way. Um, And these are for the journals that don't like to journal. Like there's a lot of people don't want to journal, not open to it. Look at it this way. Um, find a way to capture your thoughts, like get them down on paper, because what's happening, we, we've heard the phrase, the elephant in the room, like with a team of people, sometimes mm -hmm. people will know what's happening, but the conversation won't take place, or you can't move forward until you get the elephant out. We have an elephant in our own room, in our own head, and we need to see what we've been thinking about. So if you don't like to journal, just write what you're thinking, just the monkey chatter. That's important because you can see, oh, this is why I'm struggling or I'm so stuck because I'm circling around these thoughts. We don't know until we allow ourselves to express it. We'll feel it in our body. Just like right. the moment we think an angry or sad thought, it immediately releases chemicals. And, and so right. we feel that feeling and the same thing with the happy thought, we feel good because our body immediately releases those chemicals. And so knowing, okay, beyond the feeling, what's the thought. And then once you have the thought, just the act of expressing starts to calm the amygdala down or it opens up creativity. So you determine what your next step is. It, it's, it's, like a way to prime your brain into solving what is the next thing I need to do? Do I need to reach out to someone to share, you know, what's going on or is there a resource I can go? And, and so having a list of tips like you've created is going to be so helpful because often, and I'm this way too, sometimes I wait till something's wrong to do something about it. But if you prepare something in advance, it's going to help you problem solve that issue so much more easily mm -hmm. i love that i'm going to ask a supplementary question to that as well so we've talked about sure. obviously the importance of hydration but if you could recommend three things that people can eat or supplement their diet with on a regular basis to to help with brain health and mental well-being what would you suggest okay so i'm i come from um Dr. Amen's thing, find out your brain type first, just because depending on your brain type will point you in the direction. Do you need more protein, smart carbs? So brainhealthassessment.com to find out your brain type, because it's going to give you tips on eating. So if you're one that really does need a lot of protein, protein is important to have, a, you know, especially the front end of your day. A lot of people go to carbohydrates, like the, the sugary stuff. That's actually brain calming. That's why you kind of get in a funk brain fog. But if you give something brain energizing early in the day, you're really going to boost it. Um, and then also at night, and this is for my brain type, I don't, I have a lot of protein around five or 6 p.m., not too much later because it's brain energizing. I need something to calm my brain. So I'll sometimes eat a sweet potato at night. That's more brain calming mm -hmm. um, and definitely veggies, you know, eating from every color of the rainbow. I like how Dr. Amon says that doesn't include Skittles. 
So sure it's vegetables. Yes. Fantastic. Now, importantly, we do have a competition, as you know, um, to win one of our Therapist to Millions exclusive uh, T-shirts. So for a chance to win one of one of these, tell us a fact that blows our mind or tell us a joke that's one of a kind. Oh, my goodness. You're really putting me on the spot. A fact that blows your mind. Okay. I'll tell you a fact that blew my mind recently. We've heard of the circadian rhythm. There's something called an mm-hmm. ultradian rhythm which is basically every 90 minutes during the day and night, your brain recycles. It mm. needs a break every 90 minutes. So if you're pushing oh. through, wow! It, most time you're going through that coffee, your brain is signaling, take a break, do something completely different, 10 to 20 minutes, then come back up to it. And there'll be this nice, beautiful slope of upward productivity. And so that is, that's huge. That's a yes. great tip. That is superb. Well, you've definitely won a T-shirt. So uh, yeah. can we just ask <laughs> that when 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 you get it, you just model it for us and send it through for our gallery as well. That'd oh, you know, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And and finally, how can people get hold of you? How can people get hold of uh, the Amen Clinics? Just give us some contact details. Yeah. So amenclinics.com. And there's a wonderful blog. You can type in anything, you know, brain related, you'll get great information for me. If you go to the number four dash helpers.com number four dash helpers.com, just because I'm passionate about helping the helpers and supporters in our community, you'll find some um, free tips on that. And you can link to me there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we're, we're going to include all of the links in the show notes together with a link to, to, to download your, your free course as well and our 10-step guide and, and everything else we've talked about. And we're going to add your books to the library too. So uh, thank you so, so much for taking thank you. time out for this special episode of the Therapist to Millions podcast. We really appreciate you and everything you're doing as well. So thank you so much. So, so good much. to see you both. Love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Therapist to Millions podcast, may we invite you to check out our free for life Therapist to Millions online membership course for therapists and coaches who want to grow their business without trading more time for dollars. We've created the world's premier digital marketing resource exclusively for therapists and it's yours for free for life. Just head over to therapisttomillions.com and sign up now.